Greetings, time travelers. Just so you're aware, this video before you is not the full film of The Girl Who Left Through Time. This is a podcast review of the film and its English language dub. If you wish to view the movie for yourself, please support the official release on home video from Funimation. They got a snazzy Blu-ray with lots of sweet bonus features, and we highly recommend having a high-resolution version to enjoy. Thank you very much. Hmm. I feel like there was something else I was supposed to do ahead of time. Oh, shoot! I forgot to re record the full disclaimer for this episode. And it starts in one minute! Wait, wait. I've got all the time in the world. I just have to leap back in time to a few days ago. All right, here we go. Okay, okay, too far. Oh, well. Warning, the Dub Talk podcast may contain language and subject matter that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Ah, back, back to the present, back to the present! Uh, how did we go further back in time? Eh, this isn't so bad. <clears throat> also, there will definitely be spoilers for The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and any other media being discussed. Be forewarned if something that you haven't finished yet is brought up. Why is there a guy in a metal suit on a horse charging at me? Ah! Finally, opinions expressed are those of individual participants and no necessarily reflect Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Methinks this getting ridiculous. How far back can time leap take person? Oh sweet, I've always wanted to see the Big Bang. Which reminds me, remember to appreciate the life you have and never take the little pleasures like friends and special events for granted while you can. Because, as this movie taught us, time waits for no one. Speaking of which, I think I figured out how to leap back to the present. Enjoy the episode! Hello, fellow time travelers. Thank you for joining us here for the Dub Talk Podcast, the premier podcast where a bunch of individuals get together to talk about the latest and greatest in English dubs for anime and alternative media in general. And not only to talk about the latest, but sometimes even some classic materials that you have probably seen before and have been dying for us to get to. Well, now's your chance because once again, we are continuing Summer at the Movies! Woohoo! Popcorn, fireworks, Siskel and Ebert in the balcony. It is movie time! S since when have there been fireworks at movie theaters? That's a bit dangerous, you know. I, I'm talking about like uh, like the big movie premieres at like the the Chinese theater in in Hollywood. There's always you know there's always like fair big explosions. I, I assume. Okay, fair. I'm about to say, why are we setting off fireworks in a movie theater that is dangerous and it is against fire code so hard? Oh, oh, Lilac, Lilac. Have you seen the uh, the animated movie Cats Don't Dance? Oh, it's been years, but yes. Okay, you remember the final epic musical number where they're like setting off all of the, the fireworks and explosions and lights and the Statue of Liberty at the very end of it? Again, it's been a long ass time. I will show so I that to remember. you. Later. I'll show that to you later. But po point is that okay. if they can do it in a Mark Dindle animated movie, we can clearly do it in real life. Um, <laughs> and look here, anime anime is not true to real life. That's a horrible idea, and that is so many lawsuits waiting to happen You're if kidding. you do that. Are you telling me that people can't actually travel through time and re and go back to the beginning of their karaoke session all day? 
I wish that was a thing, but sadly, no. And we can't go back in time and have a good dinner again? I wish that was a thing, but sadly, no. I can't go back in time and prevent the boy who has a crush on me from telling me that he has a crush on me? I don't wish that was a thing, I am so but no. <laughs> very dis- disillusioned now. Uh, but what I'm not disillusioned about is talking about this movie. So, like we said, we're at Summer of the Movies, episode 5 this season. Yes, we have gone Woo-hoo. through the highlights of uh, High School Idols, uh, Gentleman Thieves, Hell, and whatever the heck Dragon Quest is. We still haven't figured that out. Um <laughs> Whatever drag the thing that broke Andrew. That's all we need to know. That is that is that should be on the box art. That's all of we need Dragon to know. Quest. It broke Andrew. The only thing we there's the only two things we need to know about Dragon Quest. It broke Andrew and Steve fucking Blum earned his goddamn paycheck. All right, mother, motherfucker. That's all yes, he that did. matters. <laughs> so uh, every That's all that matters. Every summer at the movies since we started this, we have always done at least one Mamoru Hosoda film. And we are continuing that tradition because he's he's put out a steady amount of work before. But rather than looking at the newer films he's done, like uh, Wolf Children or The Boy and the Beast, we are going back in time to cover what is essentially his premier original work. Yes, um, even though he did uh, work on di- the Digimon franchise... And the One Piece franchise, Mamoru Hosoda kickstarted his solo directing career with one special madhouse movie in 2006. Yes, people, you have all been clamoring for it, and we finally got into it. We're covering The Girl Who Leapt Through Time! Woohoo! Heck yeah! Yes, we are. And of course, to uh, help me out, I've brought along my time traveling assistant because every Time Lord needs an assistant to, you know, die for them. I mean, to accompany them on their trip. Say hello to Lilac! You mean companion? I know nothing about Doctor Who, but I know that's a thing. <laughs> companion, not assistant, companion. But they. Because you called yourself a Time Lord. But they do end up dying usually for the Time Lord by the end of the season, do they not? <sighs> Does that mean I die at the end of the episode? If, if, that do- if that's what's supposed to happen, I'm going to be very depressed. <laughs> we could do a subversion where, you know, the. The, the meat shield that is the companion lives and the, the Time Lord himself dies. So I guess we'll find out at the end of this episode. <laughs> I, I guess so. Side note, live from North Carolina. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming to us from your uh, your special recording studio uh, away from home. <laughs> I'm visiting my mom right now. Uh, it's been a crazy past few weeks, but I'm visiting my mom in North Carolina. So... Because everything that was happening, we we didn't get to record it yet. And I'm just like, oh, mom, can I record this episode while I'm with you? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks, mom. And it's a good thing we did, too, because this is going to be a really unique movie. I mean, like, um, not just the fact that it's uh, a sort of a uh, origin of species for Mamoru Hosoda's directing work, mm-hmm. but also, and I could be wrong here, but I think this is one of the only times we've covered a Canadian dub. Is that correct? As far as I know of, yes. yes. I don't know if it's the very first time. I don't know that. Yeah. But it's in a rare in a rare twist. <laughs> yeah, so this is... Uh, so essentially, uh, although Mamer Hosoda did have uh, a big reputation and people were fighting to license his movies in the West afterwards, for this movie, uh, he was not a big name yet. And so none mm-hmm. of the big companies were really clamoring to get uh, high-end voice actors with 
big budgets uh, to to, uh, distribute his work. Bondi, though, did take a chance on this one back when uh, they existed. Rest in peace. They're into... (laughs) Rip. Rip Bondi Entertainment. (laughs) They had a good run. Uh, but yes, The Girl Who Left Through Time came out in Japan in 2006, and it didn't. And it was made by Madhouse. It was directed by Madhouse, and um, if I remember correctly, this was uh, not really super well promoted. It wasn't expected to be like a giant hit. It was meant to be like a, a nice, fluffy, feel-good uh, summer movie. But word of mouth... I'm, I'm uh, not surprised by that, considering I don't remember when it came to over to the West here, mm-hmm. Bondi really, like promoting it all that much they didn't really um yeah it was because it didn't have a lot like a big name attached to it even though Mm -hmm. it is based on a very popular novel the girl who left through time is a novel uh written by yasutaka sutsui back in 1965 not really one Mm -hmm. of those novels that like uh people in the west know super well so it's not like they could bank on adapted from the popular the best-selling novel or anything like that Mm-hmm. But uh, it got a lot of really good word of mouth in Japan, and therefore it, it uh, made more money than they were expecting it to. And I think that buzz <laughs> is why Bondi decided to take a, a chance on it, because there, there are some there are Japanese movies being made all the time, original Japanese movies, and not all of them right. get snapped up. Um, but we're really glad this one did, because just two years after it premiered in Japan, we got an English dub released on home video, and that is what we are going to be talking about today. And then Bondi basically died in 2014, and then like two years later, it was rescued. Um. Yes, it was. So thanks, Funimation. Thank you, Funimation, for uh, having the common sense to keep this movie in print because it definitely needs to be watched. And just to cut straight to the, you know, the we save this for the end usually, but you can watch this movie, and I think Lyle and I will agree you should definitely check it out. It's streaming mm. on Funimation's website, so if you've got a subscription. Is it really? Plop down a little bit of time to go check it out. Yes, I have because.moe pulled up right now. And if you type in the girl who let through time, you will find Funimation's got it up on their site right now. I don't believe you. I'm going to look at Funimation like directly because I don't fucking believe you. They normally don't stream they their don't. movies. That's why yeah. I find it hard to believe. They usually don't. And okay, while you're looking that up, I'm going to ex- They usually don't. I'm going to explain the plot really quickly. Okay, so okay. Uh, there's this high school girl named Makoto who's just kind of going through a rough patch in her life where nothing seems to be going well. She's everything's going wrong and she just kind of wishes that uh, you know, she could um, do a little bit better in class and in relationships and everything. Uh, she has two best friends, though, um, who uh, luckily help her release some of that stress. One day, though, uh, due to a freak science accident involving slipping and falling on, uh, it's kind of like a walnut-shaped device, which we find out more about near the end, she develops a power to leap through time. Like, she gets to, herself gets to go... And and she has to do this by actually jumping. She has to, like, get off of high places or run really quickly, and she has to build up a head of steam. It's kind of like uh, in uh, Back to the Future, where they have to get up to a certain speed to go back in time. When she does that, she can leap back in time and redo events however she wants, and she uses this force. Hence the girl who leapt through time. It is very well visually represented and a very fitting title for for the movie. And so, uh, for the first half of the movie, it's just shenanigans of uh, not just her leaping through time, but also through that, we get to see uh, relationships uh, live and die. We get to see angsty teenagers. We get to see 
relationships with bratty sisters. And uh, near the end of the movie, there's a bit of a twist, a bit of a surprise that we will spoil near the end because it relates to one key character. And essentially... Dun, dun, dun. Th- and that is what the Groundhog's Day-ish McCurfluffle. And I love it. I absolutely love Kerfluffle. it to <laughs> Okay, so um, before uh, briefly, just jumping into uh, our histories for this, I saw this movie, I believe, I bought a physical copy of it when it was on sale on Right Stuff back in 2012, I want to say. It was uh, one of a couple of films that I bought, and just to check out, I think 5 centimeters per second was another one. So I, mm. I've seen it for a while. Um, it is not my favorite Hasoda movie. Uh, people who've seen prior episodes will know Wolf Children is my favorite. And, mm. uh, but that being said, um, I, I really do like this movie and I was really glad to be given the opportunity to talk about why that is and why I do think that the dub still holds up even over 10 years after it came out. By contrast, you had, <sighs> we got a new, we're going to have a fun time. <laughs> we got, we got a newbie um, here. I have never seen this film before ever, and I've been meeting you, f- meeting to for ages, mm-hmm. and this is my excuse to finally dive in and do it. Um, I do own it on DVD and Blu-ray, mm-hmm. um, but similar to know it's not my favorite Hasoda film. I think that honor might actually go to Wolf Children for me as well. Mm-hmm. However, I do question if it still holds up to an extent. Okay. Well, I... To an extent, because yeah. there are a couple of... It, it's, hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, if I saw this before all the other Hasoda films, I have, might have a different opinion. Mm-hmm. Granted, we, we'll get more into this later, but um, I feel like since I'm watching it later on after seeing all these other Hasoda films, I think that kind of you saw them at all. sullies my, my opinion on the dub of this one. But we'll get into that more. That's an interesting point, because I, I did see them in release order. I, I believe I, yeah, I saw this before mm-hmm. Summer Wars, and then Wolf Children, then Boy and the Beast, and then Mirai. So, interesting. Yeah, my my first one was Wolf's Rain. Um, not Wolf's Rain. Wow. <laughs> Strange. Wolf's Rain episode. Wolf's Rain episode is available on this channel right now. Heck Yeah. <laughs> That went up this past week at the time of recording this. Um, no, uh, Wolf Children. I mean, if you, I think it was if, for me Wolf Children, Boy and the Beast, and then I backtracked to Summer Wars, I think, mm-hmm. and then then it was Girl Left of Time. I, the only one now I haven't seen is Me and I. Um, but yeah, like I think I didn't. If I had watched Girl Left of Time earlier, before all the other ones, I might have a different opinion. But anyways, okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk about why that may be, because uh, like we said, this was a Canadian dub. Uh, Bandai did not decide to use any of their L.A. talent for this. They instead, out, uh, they distributed the English version of it, and Kadokawa, the Japanese com- uh, production company, is listed as a producer of the dub, so they probably had some input to like make sure that things sounded right and that they approved of the dub. Mm-hmm. But the actual voice acting, direction, writing, all of that was done by the fine folks at Ocean Studio in Canada. And this The Ocean Group, boys and girls, here's a new studio we haven't talked about, I don't think, ever. No, we have not. But Ocean Group has done a lot of uh, both Japanese and Western animation uh, voice acting. Mm-hmm. So uh, in talking about the credits here, we are going to talk about a lot of voice actors who have done both. And we're going to talk about both their anime and cartoon credits. Won't that be fun? Yep. Oh, that'll be, that'll be an interesting time. It will. 
So let's die. Uh, I, 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 all I remember is you sent is you sending me a message the other day about a specific credit and the amount of voice actors <laughs> who were in that specific thing. I'm not going to say what because I feel like we're going to be talking about it throughout the show. I'm assuming. Yes, we will, and it's not okay. Uh, it, it will either make some people very happy or very angry. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so in talking about uh, who directed and wrote this bad boy. The Girl Who Left Through Time's English dub was directed by Carl Williams, and it was script-written mm-hmm. by Kathleen Westlake. Now, names that your average VA chaser probably doesn't recognize, but you have probably heard their work before. Uh, the first season of Shakugan no Shana was uh, done in Canada and released by uh, Genion, and Carl was the ADR director on that. He also did okay. the ADR direction on stuff like Card Fight Vanguard, the Jinro mm. movie, which was another Bondi Ooh. release. But uh, most prominently, and I'm just covering this because a lot of people saw this, a lot of the Inuyasha dub was directed by Carl. A lot of that dub. Ah, I forgot Inuyasha was also Canada. It was. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so if you're from that camp of uh, Toonami's heyday... Uh, or I'm sorry, Adult Swim's heyday when they showed anime. You probably saw. About to say, Inuyasha of... wasn't even Toonami. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It's I, you know what I mean because they call it Toonami now, even though it used to be called Adult Swim. You know what I'm talking about. No, yeah, I, I understand now. I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, on that s- and Miss Kathleen. Yeah, on that same note, Kathleen also did quite a bit of writing for Inuyasha. Um, and mm-hmm. a couple other of the uh, Canadian things she's done work for. She uh, wrote the script for the movie Sword of the Stranger. And oh, okay. a good chunk of both Mobile Suit, Gundam, and Wing were written by her. Again, those are both uh, Bondi releases, but mm. done in Canada. So that those two, these two have done a lot, both before and okay. since The Girl Who Left Time. So, Lilac, go ahead and tell me your uh, initial opinions of the overall writing and direction. I'll start with the writing first, because... I actually really enjoyed the writing on the film. Um, I think Kathleen did a fantastic job having adapted and portraying um, the sci-fi elements, the fanta- little bit of fantastical elements, and the teen angst with ah, all the of these angst. kids. So much teen angst. And I think it all blended together really well. I, I didn't really see many issues in terms of the writing and the in the adaptation on that end. The directing is interesting. And this goes back to my comment of if I saw Girl Who Left Their Time before all the other Hasoda films, my opinion will probably be different. Um, interesting is never usually a compliment, I found out. Depends. You could also be Andrew, and whenever he says interesting, I have to ask him, are you saying it's a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> so in this case... What do you mean? Um, there were some moments in the direction uh, with some of the characters that seemed at times a little bit stilted. Mm -hmm. There were some performances, and we'll get to one of those groups in a little bit, Mm -hmm. where voices of a couple of characters kind of blended together that you didn't know who was who. (laughs) Um... And I think some of the, I think a good amount of it can be stilled at sometimes, mostly with the secondary characters. Um, though there are some occasions with some of the major characters that have this too. Mm-hmm. And 
one of the weirdest moments I had, and I even wrote this down as a note. Mm-hmm. So you know towards the end of the film where Makoto is looking for Chiaki, right? Yes. And she's just running and running and running and running and running. The, the She does a lot of heavy breathing. Yeah. And I don't know why, but it seemed very weird to me. I mean, she's... She's like... <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I, I was very, very... I, I, I kind of got thrown off, and I think I got pulled out of the moment from that. Where... Especially given what was going on in context and why she's trying to find him in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, like, something like that, I think, was a direction issue. Um, it definitely pulled me from it. Um, and, like, I had to go back and try to suspend my disbelief on some of this. Because, to be fair, some parts of the movie, if you don't know anything about the original novel, which I found out, I didn't even know about the original novel, and Noah explained something to me um, before we started recording. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know anything about the original novel, you're going to be very confused <laughs> at points. Now, uh, to be fair, okay, and uh, time travel stories, both movies and books, mm-hmm tend to confuse a lot of people on their first watch. I mean, not even right. anything that involves non-linear storytelling. Like, Bacchino uh, confused a lot of people on his first watch, but they still really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. And I, I do I do think that they were definitely trying to tap into the angst of the high school experience. They were trying to make it so... Oh, no, yeah, absolutely they were. I mean, there's, there's a credibility to saying that something took you out of it because of the way that they were directed. Um, but mm-hmm. it, see, I, I count bad direction as something where it was uh, a failure to accomplish what they set out to do. And this is a movie that is not glamour. It does not glamorize the high school experience. Um, there, there are some, no, 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 not at all. Yeah, there's some movies like um, a lot of Kyoani productions or um, uh, what's a really good one that uh, glamorizes uh, school settings? Uh like, a lot of Moe stuff seems to, uh, um, oh, something I just watched. Um, maybe Moe, and maybe, to an extent, maybe, like, some idol shows that are set in high school, to an extent. But, um, no, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, I was just watching, um, the second season of Umaru-chan, and a whole, mm-hmm. a whole lot of that second season is about not just the glamorization of having friends in high school and the high school experience, but also the... Uh, kind of the glamorization of preserving the past, of like the nostalgic stuff. Right. Uh, this movie uh, feels a bit like a, it will stand as a period marker for the era because there are, there are little details around the edge, like the flip phones, the uh, yeah. the, the karaoke, the the, the um, just the overall speaking, the topography, all those little things. Yeah. There feel like uh, we'll be able to look back at this and say this is what the uh, the average, not the idealized, but the average. Japanese high school setting was like in that time period. Right. Um, so I, I disagree with you that the direction uh, was interesting. I'm putting big air quotes around here. <laughs> because I, I feel, I do think that it, it doesn't have, uh, I guess uh, it doesn't have a failure to accomplish what they set out to do. Uh, if no, taking it out no. of your experience, though, I can understand that. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, I can understand they did what they set out to do. But I think part part of it was some of the stilted performances that they got as directions, mm-hmm. and I th- I think that kind of hindered my experience a bit. But again, 
what really hinders my experience is the fact that I watched Girl Who Left Through Time for the first time after watching Wolf Children mm-hmm. and Boy and the Beast and Summer Wars and these three fantastic English dubs to go with them, right? Yeah, that's true. So backtracking to this one, like, I was hoping for something amazing. And <laughs> well. <laughs> I was hoping for something amazing. And then, like, I don't know. I guess because... Also, too, to be fair, like, English dubs and really, really solid ones around, like, the... Because you said it came out in 2008, so it probably recorded around 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, 2007, like, there were still some English dubs at that point in time that you can't really say are the greatest thing of all time. Um, so it's still a learning process and a learning experience at the time, I think, in the industry as well, um, before it goes into, like, the modern era, which which to me, that's logic in my brain. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I think, the biggest thing for me that really hinders this for me as a dub that can stand the test of time mm-hmm. is the fact that I watched it so late. I don't know. That's interesting that it's interesting you say that because I've seen movies that, uh, you know, are are decades old and got into Mm -hmm. them just fine on their own merits. Um, I just saw the other day I saw a 50s Russian animated movie about a bratty princess who wanted to flowers to grow in wintertime. That's and Mm -hmm. I, I I didn't say, oh, this this animation is so. Uh, you know, so stilted or the voice acting, the Russian voice acting is so weird because I'm like, this came out in the 50s. I, I hold it to the level of expectations for Russian animation from the 50s. So. Right. I understand that. Okay. Um, I, I No, I, I completely understand that. It's just, in I'm trying to make sense of things in my brain <laughs> as well. Ah, uh, yes. I'm please like, tell us about the brain. Let, let us unlock the inside of it and try to pick it apart, shall yes. we? Yes. We're gonna, we're gonna, let's dive in deeper and dissect this. No, it's like, I really wanted, I do like the film in general. The film in general, aside from like Mm -hmm. one or two plot points or characters that I didn't quite understand, Mm -hmm. outside of that, I, I did enjoy the film. I mean, I think it's solid. It's just, I think it's not the greatest dub, but it's also not absolutely horrible either. It's in the, okay. it's a weird middle ground. It's a weird middle ground. Yeah. But in my, my brain again, like if I saw this when it first came out, mm-hmm. I would have fell in love with it. I would have been probably for perfectly fine. But now that I'm seeing it so <laughs> late after seeing other Hasoda films, it's like, uh, and then cause sometimes your brain will automatically try to compare to the other stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with why I'm kind of in like kind of eh with what with my love of the film right. honestly. <laughs> now, uh it's interesting uh to talk about it uh from your perspective as well because yeah. the uh the story was ri- the screenplay, I'm sorry, the screenplay for this movie wasn't written by uh Hasoda. It was actually written by his constant cohort Satoko Okudera who also mm-hmm. did the screenplays for Summer Wars and the Wolf Children, which is why all right. three of those movies are so estrogen-tastic. There's so many mm. uh, prominent moments featuring female characters, like young female characters specifically. Right, yep. So in watching this, did any of this, especially what the main character of Makoto was going through, did uh, any mm-hmm. of that, re- did you feel a relation to like your own high school experience and those anxieties? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. I'm gonna take that as a yes. <laughs> some of some of the shit that she goes through, I'm like, oh, because <laughs> the, the the whole thing with the pudding, for instance. <laughs> I have, some people may or may not know this, I have a little sister who would sometimes like to take my things and not tell me. And of course I would be mad once I find out she took them. And then the whole thing of like boys liking you and kind of trying to shift that mentality oh <laughs> let's talk about my Lord. sister uh i was trying to tell you i like you i don't care let's talk about my sister instead i know exactly because it's like i can relate like to makoto it's like i don't want to lose this whole friendship i don't want that ruined mm-hmm. right yeah so i can re- i can relate to that so much <laughs> especially like nowadays where i find out like there are like a, like five or six guys who had ta- who had a thing for me. It's like what? Uh, Why didn't no one tell me this? Uh, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm so, I hate to tell. As one of uh, not one of the guys who had a crush on you, but as a guy, it's hard to do. Okay, you, you you run the risk of being rejected, and sometimes you're like, no, yeah, failure is potential for failure is worse than even trying. No, absolutely, and I can understand that. But yeah, Makoto, the whole thing with um, Chiaki and Kosuke, it was very interesting, and I'm like, oh yeah. no, I know this person. <laughs> I am this person. You we're are the Makoto. same in that regard. <laughs> there were there were some moments where I definitely related to her on those levels, of, especially when I was a teenager. Oh I'm God. like, oh shit. And that's uh, that's not uh, not entirely uh, by accident. I'm sure that's entirely what they were trying to tap into. So uh, pro- props. Oh, absolutely. I can see that. Yeah, props to. Uh, and I think that works so well. It, it does. You're right. And that's why I wanted to praise uh, Kathleen's writing because I think she she gets that mm-hmm. mentality. She gets what. The, no, absolutely. It's not a glorification of high school. It is both the positives and the negatives of the experience from a high schooler's perspective. There's a- right. Oh my god, I felt so bad for that one guy who kept getting his ass bullied. Oh yes, that's a, a guy who were actually. Oh. Uh, he had ramen poured on his head. I, I'd, I'd lose my mind too. Oh man, no, it was so. Uh... But yeah. But no, yeah, I, 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 I definitely Kathleen made it very relatable she didn't it's not a sugar like the movie itself isn't doesn't sugarcoat it and kathleen i think made a great adaptation mm. to and kept all that pe- those pieces intact yeah so thank thank you kathleen and thank you carl for taking on this project um Woo-hoo. yes now uh let's move on to the characters in the movie and there are uh yes. quite a few characters uh one thing i like about this movie is that it feels very busy uh, crowd shots mm. have lots of people moving around, lots of activity. Yep. School scenes are like uh, there's a scene where all the characters are gathered in a courtyard because of a scuffle going on, and you just see both the first and second floor uh, is just full of students. Like it feels like yeah. a very full world. Uh, we're not going to talk about every single character, but we're going to try and narrow it on to the ones that have the biggest impact on the story. Sorry, the ones who have mm-hmm. the least impact. Um, we're going to talk about Makoto's mom. Makoto's dad and her sister Miyuki. So mm-hmm. um, Makoto's mom is voiced by Nicole Oliver. Her dad is voiced by Brian Drummond, and her sister is voiced by Shannon Chan Kent. Okay, so I listed three names. 
One name you may instantly recognize, the other two maybe not so much, but I know every one of you have heard these characters before, and I'm going to tell you where you've heard them before. Nicole, I'll- Brian Drummond is the only one I feel like yes. I recognize for somewhere. Yes. In fact, let me just start with Brian Drummond. So okay. you've heard him as um, uh, Benny in Black Lagoon. You have definitely mm. heard him as Ryuk in Death Note. He, he, pl- he plays the Shinigami. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Very distinct I'm having voice. an aha uh-huh moment. And, oh, yeah. And in just in case we have any people watching this who don't normally watch anime, um, I'm going to mention one cartoon that he's done before. Back in two- the mid-2000s, there was a Superman spinoff show about Superman's dog called Crypto the Super Dog. And it's... I remember that. Uh, so you remember the cat? Streaky the super cat? Oh, it's been so long. I don't think I don't remember that. Well, there he had a sidekick. The dog had a cat sidekick. Who was voiced by Brian Drummond? Nice. Yes, very Meow. very different. Brian the cat. Very different from apple eating death guy Ryuk and fuck the Nazis Jew Benny. We also got Streaky the super cat. So this guy's done quite a lot of different stuff. Nice. Nicole Oliver. Uh, this is this is the one I sent to Lilac to say, like, oh my god, it's uh, someone that you've definitely heard before. Uh, uh, some <laughs> anime things. Um, if you saw Obon Star Racers, you heard Nicole as Maya Wei. If you've seen hmm. any of the recent Galaxy Express 3.9 films, uh, the recent ones that um, were uh, dubbed and released on Blu-ray, she plays Emeraldus in those movies. But let, okay. let's skip all that, because I know... There's a certain fan base who heard the name Nicole Oliver and instantly thought of her role as Princess Celestia in the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic franchise. <laughs> Everyone is now smashing their keyboards and or cell phones and like, no, no, there it is. not My there Little it Pony, is. no. And yes, yes, My Little Pony was a Canadian dub. And the, well, not a dub, a Canadian voice <sighs> acting work. And, and animated, too. So you have to hear a lot of voice actors who are in that show in the rest of this whole thing. For instance... Uh, it's gonna, Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're in for a wild ride. We're going on a fucking train today. Yeah, we're, we're, and it has no brakes. None at all. We're, we're on, actually, the Oriental Express, where that one episode where people ate the cake desserts came from. I forget what's dun, the name of that episode. Dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> speaking, it's been a while since I've seen My Little Pony. Speaking of My Little Pony, though, Shannon Chan Kent uh, is Pinkie Pie in My Little Pony. Not the speaking role, though. Uh, she's the singing <laughs> voice in that show. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, so she's got a very, uh, very distinct voice. Um, she's also um, uh, Christina Sierra in Gundam Double O. But to circle mm-hmm. it back around to Death Note, uh, her most famous role is probably as Misa in the Death Note movies. In the show and Okay, movie. it's been a hot minute since I watched Death Note. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I can... Okay, I hear twinges of it. Yeah, now you it's think It's in about my it. head now. And let's just talk... Okay. About, let's talk about that, actually. Let's talk about Shannon's performance, because um, you know how you... You were talking earlier about how you thought that a lot of the, the voices kind of blended together uh, based on the direction. I thought Shannon... Oh, yeah. She did not. No, she did not. Shannon is... She definitely stood out. Yeah, she is... I felt she was the most anime-sounding character in the entire cast. I like how that's how we're describing it. Anime-sounding. Yeah, it's it's a shame because... We... It's a new adjective. Anime-sounding. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean, though, right? You, you know by the... Um, she... No, I do. Absolutely. And, like, here's what's very weird. 
Because I completely forgot that this that Shannon also was Misa. Because I I I wanted to go in this blind. I didn't look up any like other previous roles because I'm like, let me get surprised by some of this shit. You know, Shannon's Miyuki kind of reminded me a lot of Jade Saxton. Actually, you're not wrong. That I can hear that voice. Yeah, it sounds very similar to some of Jade's normal, like, peppy, upbeat kind of characters and, like, mm-hmm. her normal tone of voice, really. And I can, I can totally hear Hachin in, uh, in uh, Miyuki's voice. Oh, absolutely. Now that I think about it. Absolutely. I can hear it, too. Now you say Hachin, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Hachin right there. But no, I, <laughs> I really liked Miyuki a lot. <laughs> and Shannon was so much fun, I think, because she's just so upbeat and she has that positive energy about her, which is great. But she's also very sassy. Oh, so, so sassy. She has such fun moments of sass. Um, what was one where um, about time I think you she gotta. was... Huh? Her first lines is literally, it's about time you got up. Yep. <laughs> like, there was a few other times. But I think one of the... <laughs> I think the highlight for me was when um, Makoto is trying to figure out the whole time travel thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miyuki goes upstairs to check on her. Oh, um, oh, yes. Her and mom heard a loud thud because she tried leaping off the bed. Yep. And Miyuki opens the door and Makoto is about to try and leap out of the damn window. Yep. And she's like, no, you have so much to live for. Just like, whole, like stuck, like the whole corny, like hugging of the legs is, is like, no. <laughs> like, that was so funny. I got I got I was just laughing so much. I was like, "Oh boy, you're adorable. I like you." And that's so telling for a for a close sibling is that they'll they'll try to stop you from you know jumping off the roof to your death, but they will still eat your pudding behind your back with no remorse. I know. <laughs> to be fair, it was mom and dad who let Miyuki eat the pudding. I don't care. I mean, yes, they're accountable for that too. But still, why would you even think? Well, this is something my sister bought. I'm sure she doesn't want it. No, yeah. <laughs> I think it, it was the dad, right? It was the dad. I was like, isn't that your sister's though? And mom's like, oh, yep. it, she's she's not going to miss it. I'm like, thanks, mom. What Rude. kind of mom is <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. In fact, let's use this to segue over to the mom. Um, now, uh, okay. we'll be quick on these two because both the mom and the dad don't speak too much. Um, they're actually yeah. very minor characters. Um, but they, they do... Um, uh, they have mom and dad voices, I guess, I'll, for, for lack of no. better <laughs> For lack of better description, yes. <laughs> like, get- there are a couple of the characters, I think, kind of just blended into the background a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't serve a ton of purpose, and they didn't also stand out like Shannon's Miyuki did, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad now that I know frickin' Brian Drummond. I know, right? And now I remember who this human being is. <laughs> and I'm very upset. I'm like, damn it, we need Ryuk here now. Let's make this even crazier. Well, he didn't really do that voice. Brian gave him a... Uh, he gave the dad a very humdrum salaryman archetype oh, kind yeah. of voice. Like a very, oh, no, yeah. a, a very loving but no-nonsense kind of voice, which fit with the character. I think, like, humdrum archetype is probably accurate for the mom and the dad. I mean, I do like the um, 
the, the comforting voice that Nicole gives to the character because um, right. she has to sound like an everyday person who you might know and she yeah. and, who is, you know, again, very a loving person, but is also, uh, like you were saying, not very assuming. So, no, yeah. which is a shame because it's a shame that she didn't get to, you know, expand that out a little bit more. Cause again, she's Emeraldus in uh, galaxy three, nine. She's, she's freaking princess Celestia. That's <laughs> so many people who don't like my little pony are going to be raging right now it's going to be hilarious oh. um anyway <laughs> no i mean i think part of it really for nicole and brian is the fact that the mom and the dad they don't have a significant role mm-hmm. so they're kind of just there to exist yeah. <laughs> really so as characters that exist the performances are good they, they are and I'm I'm glad that uh, the the writer uh, took the time to include parental characters because that again it makes us feel like a real high school setting like the the oh, yeah, least convincing high school anime are the ones where the parents do not exist like Azumanga Daio or Umaru Chan where it's just like we can do whatever we want because we don't have parental figures or or we can run into a monster musume situation and they went up to the damn farm or they went away on business yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes they don't even address the parents, and then, like you said, sometimes they conveniently write them out. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, it's good that there's parents here in this movie. Yeah. So, that I think that's all we really have to say about those guys. They, they did a good job for what they had, and uh, yep. Brian needs to... Brian and Nicole need to be in more things, I guess. Yeah, and Sh- Shannon is adorable as shit. And Shannon is so nasally and adorable, and so... Yep. Mm, yes. <laughs> Yes. So let's mo- more, let's take this opportunity to move on to a few more characters who uh, unfortunately don't get to do too much uh, acting wise, but they are significant to advancing the plot. Um, and you'll yes. find out why in a bit. So we we've dubbed this the Mean Girl Squad, and it's not just because we're big Lindsay Lohan fans. We, we actually refer to these people as like the the Mean Girls who show up in a lot of high school anime. They are two best friend characters who are pestering their other best friend to ask out a guy that she really likes and they get very pushy about that and a little territorial yeah it's one of those it's it's a less it's a smaller extent of um the yuki soma fan club oh (laughs) remnants of that were still lingering around yeah yuki soma fan club where basically like everybody's not allowed to do anything to Yuki Soma, and then they get fucking pissed that Toru is there and just f- happens to exist in the universe. <laughs> this is almost the same thing, but to a less ex- to a smaller extent. Exactly. And so the, that this group is comprised of uh, Kaho Fujitani, who is the girl who has a crush on one of the other main characters, who we'll get to in a bit. Um, interesting fact, uh, she didn't have a crush on him necessarily just for meeting him. She developed a crush on him because he was helping take care of her grandma in a nursing home. And That is, the, by the way, the sweetest bit of backstory I had ever heard in my life. I don't know if it's sweet. I mean, it, yes, from an outside, it sounds sweet. It also sounds a little creepy. Like It sounds a little stalkery. <laughs> it's one of those moments where you have to suspend your disbelief for a hot second uh, to go with it. Yeah, we, we got to get the plot going here. And I'm like, okay, let's keep the fine. plot. It's like, let's keep the plot going. Let's suspend our disbelief for a second. Oh, this is so cute. <laughs> in, re- in, in reality, you're right. It would be very creepy. I, I suppose in an innocent high school crush kind of sense, it's adorable. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, a- aided in Kaho's pursuit of aforementioned boy are her two best friends, uh, Sakimi Nawake and Moriko Us- um, Uesugi. Um, <laughs> both of them, both of whom uh, Lilac and I both had a bit of a difficult time telling apart from who is who because we know their names yeah. just based on the credits, but they don't necessarily look too distinct from each other and they don't have a, a moment where they're like, address who is who. So we're kind of... No, and and this is going to go probably into thoughts in a minute, but yeah, their voices don't exactly... Uh, I almost said mash together, but that's not what I'm thinking of. They um, don't stand out from each other. <laughs> and you're, I'm not going to disagree with you, so don't feel bad about saying that. Uh, but what I will take this time to say who voices the characters. Kaho is voiced by Natalie Walters. Sakimi is voiced by Merrick Hendrixie. And Moriko is voiced by Tabitha St. Germain. Now, Natalie uh, is definitely someone you've heard if you, again, watched a lot of Inuasha. Because she plays Ayame in the Inuasha franchise. Uh, oh, I haven't watched Inuyasha in a while. Which one is Ayame? Hold on. <laughs> Keep going. I'm now yeah, go ahead and this shit up. Don't look that up. Please do so. Um, uh, switching. She's also done uh, quite a bit of Western stuff, too. Um, uh, Polly Pocket. Uh, it's this little... Um, pocket-sized toy that uh, some people may remember, and uh, had an animated series called Polyworld, and in that Natalie voiced the characters of Leah and Caroline. And not to be restricted to just Japanese and American cartoons, she also did uh, Chinese cartoons. Uh, There's this English dub for a Chinese... I believe it's Chinese. Is that Chinese or Korean? I couldn't quite verify, but it's a cartoon called Story of Sayun Koku. And that and in that show, she voiced the character of Shunki Sa. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks like something that got a very high-end promotion. Like, because it's very unusual that we would get non-Japanese uh, Eastern animation dubbed and released. So that that's prominent. Now, moving on, hmm. moving on to two characters that uh, two voice actors you've definitely heard before. I'm I'm almost sorry that I, I took this long to get that we took this long to get to talking about them because I don't think we've talked about either Merrick or Tabitha in anything we've done before because uh, uh, well Merrick is uh, if you've seen Dot Hack Roots she plays Tabby uh, if you saw the greatest uh, uh, Jap- the greatest cartoon Johnny Test pause for groans from the audience she voices one huh. of the sisters Susan Test. I'm taking it from your reaction oh, okay. that you haven't really seen Johnny Test before. No, I mean, not. I've never really seeked it out, but I've seen like in passing. It's one of those things where it's like I flip on the Cartoon Network and it happens to be there. I'm like, oh, I'll watch this for a minute. Yeah, it, it's one of those situations. But okay, that's interesting. Well, it, it has a reputation for being one of the worst animated series ever because it, it was made in like very cheap. Uh, flash animation starting with the second season so it, it has a very bad reputation Ooh, that's a... <laughs> yeah. what doesn't have a bad reputation is the thing that she's been in that you you know her from which is Black okay. Lagoon she's the voice of Revy no freaking way no no you mean no fucking way fair <laughs> We need to we we have not touched Black Lagoon yet, and this no. is kind of disappointing because I have not seen Black Lagoon before. Believe it or oh, not, I, 
I don't want to. I won't spoil anything for you then. I'll I'll just let you know that. Re- no, don't spoil anything for me. I know nothing outside of Revy cursing like a sailor yes. and dropping f bombs every five seconds. Yes, that is exactly what you should know it for. I mean, there was that video that I think Megan showed me like a few years back yep. of, of Black Lagoon, but just every person that every time All that the- someone says the word fuck, yes. and that's it. That 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 video was actually, and it's glorious. That video is so prominent that I actually took it upon myself to do the same thing for the OVA that came out a few years later. I, I edited together a video of the same thing. It was just all 108 fucks said in that five-episode OVA. And I think that is still oh, the most popular video on my YouTube channel. Yeah? You 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 were doing, you were doing the Lord's work, Noah. <laughs> so, in fact, speaking of that OVA, uh, the Black Lagoon OVA, Roberta's Blood Trail, Tabitha voices Roberta in that uh, Robert, mm. Roberta is like this gun wielding uh, psycho maid, and uh, she she is like okay. uh, she's she deserved an OVA. She absolutely did. So Tabitha's <laughs> uh, done that. Um, she okay. did um, in the original Shakugan no Shana series. Uh, she voiced Shana because, like I said, oh, okay. season one was hmm. dubbed in uh, Canada. Seasons two and three were uh, dubbed by Funimation, and unlike right. uh, stuff like the Black Lagoon OVA. Uh, they did not get the Canadian cast back. Actually, Jeremy Lee uh, picked up the voice of Shauna for seasons two and three. So that is uh, why there's a voice cast change between seasons one and the other seasons of that franchise. But right. but you know what? That, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that she voiced Shauna or Roberta because she voiced the character. Is there a My Little Pony reference that's about to happen here? People who just smashed their keyboards and probably just put it back together. Get ready to do it all over again. Tabitha voices Rarity in the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic <laughs> franchise. I know, this, right? I'm getting I'm getting so much enjoyment from the amount of My Little Pony and you have <laughs> credits that uh, we're being discussed right now, and it's just making me laugh so much right now. And let me tell you, Lila, like, you do not know the joy that I and anyone who already knew Tabitha from Black Lagoon got watching, you know, gun wielding Psycho Maid also voice. You know, proper prim rarity character who just wants to run a boutique and and sew dresses for everyone for the gala. It was, oh, it was so, it was so nice to watch. It, it, it's basically, you know, it's the equivalent of watching, like, I don't know, Ice tea play a fun time cartoon character. That's great. Yes. Now, uh, we've ta- now, we just spent a lot of time there talking about the voice actors and what they've done before. And, unfor- and that's probably the most we're going to get to say, actually, because we're going to keep this section short. Because, uh, like Lilac said, they're prominent to the plot because they drive a conflict in uh, trying, to yep. get one of- trying to get Kaho to, pr- to say that she likes a boy. And Ma- Makoto kind of intervenes in this. But, uh, despite all that, they don't say a whole lot in the show. So no, not really. So yeah, go. they're really just there as a plot device. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't help. Like if Kaho didn't really have a character motivation and like a little arc of sorts, mm-hmm. all three of them would have blended together and would have been stuck in the background. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's. Uh, do you feel like that was on purpose, though? Like, does this sound like a failed attempt to uh, capture the characters, or does this seem like uh, what the scene called for? Um, like if you were the director, I, I could, would you? I do can, it? I can see it both ways. 
because like I can kind of see it both ways um because you you would think that each of the characters should be distinct in their own way mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. same time though the only one that actually kind of stands out is Kaho mm-hmm. because she's called Kaho by name and she actually has a story to her and she's also you know she's shy and soft spoken so it stands out yeah. from Sakimi and Moriko who are more abrasive and almost kind of condescending when they speak. Oh, no, absolutely. But, like, it also I'm just kind of sad that they don't exactly stand out a lot more. But at the same time, how many times in high school have you run into groups mm. of girls like this who are very similar? And also very uh, territorial about uh, mm-hmm. who gets to date who. Yeah, that's beside the point. But um, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, they could come off as sounding similar because they are similar in personality and motivations and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I can see it both ways where maybe the direction they didn't work to try and make these characters stand out all that much to make them distinct. But I can remember some points in high school where... There were these, there were cliques of people, and sometimes mm. these cliques of people sounded like they were twins or like, like siblings, <laughs> long lost siblings or something, because they sound very similar. Yeah. So I can see it both ways. It's hard to to say like what the actual reasoning or the final choice was. I mean, I'm imagining directing wise, they went with that mm-hmm. whole sounding similar to like what like high school clicks and things might kind of sound off yeah sound like but i think it also was a detriment too (laughs) because like even even sometimes especially since the these girls do have something to do like there are even some clicks where they do have like personalities that stand out among the group like in the group internally Mm -hmm. and it's a little (laughs) it's a little sad that Sakimi and Moriko don't have that, and then yeah. Kaho's just here as the shy, quiet girl. <laughs> so I can see it both ways. It's just hard to distinguish like what the actual thought process was. Well, I mean, but... l- look at something like Fruits Basket. Um, uh, right. Toru has two best friends, Uatani and uh, Hanajima, who are yes. not just uh, distinct looking, but they sound very sim- different from each other. Yep. Now, if they had gone that direction in this dub and they'd made one uh, Yankee sounding and one uh, droll and goth sounding, it wouldn't. It would clash with the character designs because their character. No, yeah, because that's not even the, the stereotypes that they're going with for these characters anyway. I mean, just as an extreme example, like you could still make one like high pitched and one like lower voiced or something intentional yeah, yeah. to make them stand out. The key thing is that they both play. Uh, bitchy high school girl very mm-hmm. well, um, especially no, yeah. in un- in um, joint unison with each other. Like, um, no, yeah, and I mean, they're there to push Kaho along because mm-hmm. out of the three of them, Kaho does stand out, 
And that's the whole point. But to be fair, I, I want to give credit to both uh, Merrick and Tabitha because they, they have some really good one-liners. Like, um, Well, they do. It's great. Well, like, the, yeah, there's like one scene in the middle of the movie where they're they're watching from a distance as uh, Makoto is like good friends with uh, Kosuke, the guy that Kaho has a crush on. And uh, yep. Merrick's just like, like begrudgingly saying like, she's definitely putting us to shame. <laughs> yep. And then in contrast, there are some there are some fun one-liners. It's great. So and, and I don't uh, yeah they're not super distinct, but I I do think that yeah. America had a slightly is like on the slightly brattier side, and Tabitha's on like the more condescending side. But y- okay. y- you do need um I suppose a character sheet, a reference sheet in front of you with the name under it to remember which one is which. Oh yeah. Again, first time watching this, and I could not tell who was who. Also because, I, if I'm right, they never called them by their own names in the film. They don't. You're right. There's not... A... So that so that does not help they... me figure out who they are. They, they are essentially but, um, girl A and girl B. Yeah, basically. Like, But I think the main thing with this trio is to basically help push Kaho, make her stand out. Yes. To... In that regard, it does work. And she and, because Kaho is very distinct and different compared to the other two. Yeah, even when she gets exasperated, like um, she, she's uh, getting very flustered, she still stays mm-hmm. soft spoken. She she doesn't drop her yep. veneer of shyness just because she's blushing. She th- that's just nope. how she is. She was never taught to be a a confident, take charge kind of individual. So that's why she needs mm-hmm. her best friends to kind of help prop her up, and they feel it's their job yep. to do so. No, absolutely. Yeah, but that that being said, of uh, it's not it's not a miscasting, it's not a misdirection kind of thing. It's just a, kind of the nature of these characters. So I, I don't. No, yeah. Yeah. So we just want to end this off by saying, well done, well acted, fitting for the character for what the the roles needed. It's just an evil of that they weren't designed by the original Japanese director to uh, be distinguishable from one another. Mm that what who are meant to be distinguishable are our next batch of three characters now this is where we get into people who actually are distinguishable have we're getting to the real meat and potatoes yes we, we've we've had our side dishes now let us move on to the real hands of this clock we're going to yes. talk we're going to talk about uh makoto's aunt kazuko we're going to talk about one of her best friends kosuke who is uh, the guy that Kaho had a crush on. And we're going to talk about Makoto's uh, best girlfriend, as far as we can tell, Yuri, who becomes very prominent in something of a love triangle near the middle of the movie. So, Kazuko is voiced by Saffron Henderson. Kosuke is voiced by Alex Zahara. And Yuri is voiced by Christy Marsden. So, Saffron Henderson is, uh, uh, is been around for quite a while, um, if you've seen any of the, the new Galaxy Express, Express 3-9 movies, uh, she voiced uh, Tetsuro, who is kind of like the main human boy character in that franchise. Uh, she also okay. she voiced Lu- Lucrezia Noin in the Gundam Wing franchise. I- I'm mentioning that because I'm assuming, again, uh, the Adult Swim tsunami watching crowd probably saw that when it was first w- coming out. What they may not have seen, though, is back in 1995, there was a ocean group dub of Dragon Ball. And in that, mm. Saffron voiced Goku and Gohan. Ah, okay. Yeah, so like like go- young Goku, like in the actual Dragon Ball franchise. 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, so she's uh, not only uh, uh, been a distinct amount of characters, but has also been around for a while. Uh, let's see, Alex is voice. I'm sorry, Alex has voiced uh, things like in Gundam Double O. He played he played Lock On Stratus in G- in Gint. No, is it, is it Gintama or Jintama? Gintama. Gintama. He voiced Gin. In Gintama, Alex voices Shinsuke. But uh, okay. as uh, something of a bit of an older dub of a cult classic, if you've seen the show Nana, Alex voiced the character of Mr. Muzuki. <sighs> I, okay. I haven't seen Nana yet, but I, I've heard it's a, a very... I forgot, I forgot Nana was an ocean dub, actually. Yes, it was. and that, Oh, shit. I mean, I really like <laughs> uh, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, and I've been told that Nana is, like, a good... Uh, female-centric uh, kind of show that, ty- that, that attracts a lot of the same fans that Beck had. Uh, I can I can neither confirm nor deny this because I haven't watched all of Beck yet. So. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, and uh, to give Alex's uh, props, because those were three kind of older dubs, you may be asking, has he done anything recently? Has he been in My mm-hmm. Little Pony, for example? Uh <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. We are going to say, though, that he has done a lot of live action uh, stuff recently as like uh, okay. just bit characters uh, that uh, it, that's prominent in and of itself. Like he's probably not a person you recognize on the street, but he's done. Like, he's been very productive. He's like, if you need a bit character in your live action thing that's being filmed in Toronto, Alex is a guy for you. Nice. Yes. And to round it out, let's talk about Christy Marsden a little bit. Now, Christy has uh, been in dubs for the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. She was Frau mm-hmm. Bo in that franchise. Uh, to move it over to a American... No, not American. Um, well, an American-Canadian uh, co-production. Back when the mm-hmm. Iron Man movie came out in 2008, they made an animated series called Iron Man Armored Adventures. And in that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, which I didn't see very much of. I, I just remember uh, it being... The obligatory cartoon tie-in for the live-action movie that we need to have. But she voiced uh, the character of Whitney Stain, or Madame Mask, in that franchise. Hmm, okay. Um, do, do you remember um, a twin duo from back in the 90s? Uh, they were on a sitcom, and then they got really popular, called uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen? Yes. Well, did you know they had a cartoon? No, actually, I didn't. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay, I know they had their own like Mary Kate and Ashley like adventure movies and stuff as a kid, they, as kids. They did. What? Yeah. So uh, Deke, uh, a Canadian animation group, back in the nineties, uh-huh. they wanted to get in on that Mary Kate and Ashley money, and so they made a show called Mary Kate and Ashley in Action, where they're like super spies essentially. And the reason I bring this up, <laughs> and the reason I bring this up, is because Christy plays a character named Holly in that. But the, the, her role is not important. The point is, is that there was a Mary Kate and Ashley cartoon that everybody has since long <laughs> forgotten about. <laughs> I never even heard of this. I knew they had their own like live action yeah. like adventure movies and shit. But I didn't no, know and this was wasn't a even cartoon. Yeah, this and this was like in the early two thousands. So when they were like in their more oh, tween face. Let me tell you. That's funny. If I could, I would spend a whole episode just telling you about the cartoons based on famous people that have existed out there. One day, we will sit down and we will watch the show where John Candy, the comedian, is a camp counselor. 
<laughs> oh man, that sounds like a fun time. I'm I'm down. Let's go, Let's do, Noah. We'll do that after this. Let's. We got to talk about these these three characters. Uh, so okay, like, okay, like okay. Say, we'll we'll do this later. <laughs> Kaz- uh, let's move. Let's start with Kazuko because. Um, in the entire cast, it's mostly full of teenagers and young adults. Kazuko is stands out because she's like the one adult that Makoto can confide in, and you know, right. tell her about, "Hey, I almost got run over by a train, but I didn't, and I don't know why." Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, well, clearly you were time leaping. It happens to many girls around this time your age." See, okay. <laughs> It was that moment where the where I got so lost. Okay. <laughs> and I had to suspend my disbelief. <laughs> I'm like, wait, there is no way that Auntie Kazuko <laughs> straight up believes this shit. <laughs> and is just taking Makoto's words at face value. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, so you never had like a um a, uh, an aunt that you really uh I suppose like was a uh... Not a, not a role model, but like a almost your mental age, and you could confide in about weird stuff. Not really. I don't really have a close relationship to my aunts. Honestly, I have. Uh, oh, I have a few. Yeah, I don't really have a relationship with any of my aunts, so no, I can't speak to that. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't feel that I had to suspend my disbelief because I, I just assumed that since uh, Kazuko is, um, uh, you know, a single, non-married person who the mom specifically says, "Ask your aunt when she's going to get married." I just assumed that she was seen as a bit of a weird, eccentric person by the rest of the family. So of course she would believe in time travel without question. Well. <sighs> I got thrown off because she just straight up accepted it right off the bat. I'm like, you're not going to keep asking questions and like wondering, like you're not even going to question anything. But then (laughs) I also learned before we recorded this episode, the reason why she actually straight up is okay with this. Yeah. And I'll explain this for those watching because there may be some people who've seen the movie, love the movie, but didn't know this about the original. Okay. So this, I certainly didn't. And then it makes a lot more sense. Now that I know. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, to, long story short, the original novel, the 60s novel that the story is based off of, uh, did not f- focus on Makoto. The lead character was mm-hmm. Kazuko, and it, w- yep. it, it featured a lot of the same elements. It featured Kazuko having two male best friends and involved her gaining the ability to time travel, and it, it followed a lot of the same beats, but it wasn't the exact same plot. So it's a very interesting choice that the producers decided in making this movie not to just mm-hmm. recreate the novel, but make Kazuko a, a character in it and then focus on her niece. Like That would be like if they remade The Wizard of Oz, but instead of focusing on Dorothy, it's Dorothy's cousin. And then it's like, Auntie Dorothy, I, I, I traveled to Oz. It was so weird. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I traveled to Oz when I was your It's yeah. very common for boys your age. Like what? <laughs> no, like again, I knew n- really virtually nothing about the movie except for the bare minimum of the summary. Mm-hmm. So I was very thrown off when Kazuko was willingly accepting everything. Mm-hmm. And then when Noah explained this to me before we started recording, I'm like, "Oh, so she's a tie into the original novel? Yeah, Got so it? She, she's done this before." 
she's she's done this before. She does know her stuff. Got it. I am good now. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, um, uh, fun uh, thing about uh, Saffron is that she she's very she sounds very rich. Is the best way. I, mm. When I was I was writing down like my notes for, while watching the movie, I'm like, I don't know a way to describe her voice acting other than queen like. She, she's very, she's almost got a regal way that she holds herself, and they even refer to her in the dub as anti witch. So I guess she, no, yeah, yeah, she's and that's fitting. It's very fitting that she sounds older than the rest of the characters. She's got a lot of uh, compassion to her voice and especially in mm-hmm. the scene where because she's a she's a paint restorer she's an art restorer and we yes. see her explaining about an art piece that she's been working on and essentially yep. you hear the compassion and love in her voice when she talks about how this art piece was made at a time of incredible poverty and war-torn you know ness mm-hmm. in japan and oddly enough, that painting actually ha- it has plot relevance. It is. It's like it's like Chef. Um, oh God, what's it called? Chekhov's painting. It's um something in the two Camillas. I can't remember the f- name of it. One hundred percent. I did. I didn't write that. Something down. in the two Camillas. I don't remember, but it, it's a very it's a very abstract, uh, almost impressionist type of painting. Yeah, it's very interesting though. It is. And uh, I'm gonna randomly look that up and see if sure. Go I'm on. gonna randomly look it up and see if it's listed under a certain character. Go for it. Nope, it's not. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> I was looking at Wikipedia. Fail. <laughs> but I like Saffron's acting here, and I don't think I've, I've really heard her in, uh, much before because I haven't seen the Galaxy Express three nine movies yet. So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I need to find out more things because she's got a very distinct, otherworldly way of speaking that is very soothing and very fitting for this character yeah uh like yeah i can i can see it too like she's she's very soothing very mature Mm -hmm. like she she knows obviously she knows what the heck makoto is going through (laughs) and she's very understanding but at the same time she's also this almost like a voice of reason and common sense Mm mm-hmm where, because Makoto, again, like you were saying, confides in her mm-hmm. and a few different things. And then when boys are a thing, she's like, <laughs> well, you you, you know, you, you why not go out on a date? Why not go out with them? And if, you, if it doesn't, if it's not meant to be, you can just go back to the way things were. <laughs> it's like, you don't understand, auntie. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I understand very well. I've done this story before. It's almost like they wrote a novel about it, and we're just retelling it. <laughs> just putting a little spin on it. My favorite little advice she gives is uh, is not even in a direct or roundabout way. It's um, it's when mm. Makoto buys her some desserts as a thank you for helping her out. Yep. And when Makoto gets like all power hungry about, I, all I have to mm. do is leap back to last week, and I've got all my allowance spending again. <laughs> And then Kazuko, like, very calmly sips her tea and says, Well, I'm glad that you're not using your newfound superpowers for good or anything. (laughs) For anything productive. And then she also said, I think, too, she's like, Haven't you ever wondered if if your good fortune is causing misfortune for someone else? She's just (laughs) twisting the knife. (laughs) And Makoto is just like, Bullshit. (laughs) She's, She's much wiser than she lets on. Oh, no, yeah, she's... 
she's very like knowledgeable mm-hmm. probably because i'm gonna assume it's through now that i know i'm gonna assume it's because she's probably experienced the exact same thing the makoto's going through absolutely and that that makes it very fit that's because even if it didn't involve time travel uh, there are <clears throat> older relatives who like to pass on the knowledge of like you know i went through this when i was your age no, yeah and here's how i got through it or even if i yeah. can't help you through it i can at least tell you that you things will get better because it got better for me eventually right uh, speaking of those boys, though, uh, I want to talk about uh, Kosuke because he's. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's interesting to have uh, Kai with a low jock type voice, um, and he's he's distinguishable not just as a best friend of Makoto, but also he's a very his dad's a doctor, and so he's very focused on his studies to the point that he says I'm, he's. And I'm very interested in the fact that you refer to him as a jock type character. Because I would, he's not, in my head, watching the movie, he's not really a jock. Okay, how would you describe him, then? He's, um, very, like, he, he's very much intellectual, responsible, um, he does, he's very caring. Yes. Um, because, I mean, like, <laughs> he harps on Makoto and Chiaki <laughs> a lot, um, about how, like, oh, maybe you should wake up early in the morning so you're not late. Yeah. Um, or, like, obviously he's very smart and he's very knowledgeable. Probably, he gets it probably from his dad, who, again, is a doctor. But he's mm-hmm. also very caring because there was that one bit where, um, Kaho, <laughs> um, sprains her ankle to no fault of her own mm-hmm. thanks makoto and um oh yeah kosuke takes her to get bandaged up with to by his doc but his by dad, his do- doctor his dad, dad. His- i too many words <laughs> so like i find that kosuke is just a very intellectual and i would say very put together person yes actually i think i even wrote i wrote those same words down the most put together of the cat oh no no actually i said that about the other character who we're talking about in this section but you are right yeah uh the reason i said jock like is because um intellectual types in anime tend to be on the uh slightly nerdier sounding side um not not archetypally Uh, to an extent to an extent i guess I, i mean not all Okay, anime is a huge umbrella term that I've been trying to abolish, actually. I, I want to get rid of that word entirely. But uh, I just mean, like, it was refreshing to have a character who is super serious about their studies, and they're mm-hmm. not, like, Joe from Digimon, basically. No, they're not the stereotypical nerd mm-hmm. bookworm kind of thing. Right. Um, but that which, it- which is nice. It's, it's nice, and especially the dynamic that... Um, Alex has with Chiaki and Makoto is a lot of fun too. Yeah, their triangle, their triangular relationship uh, lends itself yep. to uh, like something. Uh, I'm glad that um, Kosuke never was, uh, I suppose, a romantic interest for Makoto because uh, no, that, yeah, I, I would that would have been a boring movie if it was just which of the two boys will Makoto get with. Um, even though the whole reason that um, the Mean Girl Squad picks on Makoto is because they they think that Makoto is making a move on Kosuke. They're like, oh, yeah. well, we've seen romantic comedies. We know how this goes. 
Which and one? And he's like, uh, no. Like, no. <laughs> Put down the Shoujo manga and look at the real world. Even even though there was a f- another funny moment where Makoto was talking to her aunt. And he's like, I thought you liked Chiaki. We're now to, oh, I thought you liked Chiaki. What now we got talking about Kosuke all of a sudden? She's like, oh. Well, if it, it well, why don't you go on a date with him? But Auntie, I can't do that. Well, I mean, if you go out with him and it doesn't tr- work out, just go back to the way things are. Gave it, giving her the same spiel. Yep, <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So um, yeah, Alex did a really good job in this. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a, a qualm on this one, and he's his tender, no. his more tender-ish moments where he's you know being compassionate because uh, Kaho, like you know, like you said, sprained her foot, or uh, right. he's just he's empathetic to. Uh, how sensitive Makoto is. Like, there, there's one scene where, like, I think Kosuke asked Chiaki, you know, why is Makoto so mad? Did you piss her off? Did you say something about her... I, I forget, it was, like, her height or her hair or something. You know how sensitive no, she is about it was... things. Yeah, it was something. F- for some stupid reason, feet's coming to mind, and I'm like, I don't think that's it. I think it could have been. <laughs> that's a it strange been. thing. It was something very weird. I just can't remember offhand. But no, like, like each of the three in that main trio is very distinct from each other. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. And the dynamic between all three of them is so much fun, too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Especially Makoto being the, the, the tomboy. You have Chiaki, who yep. is, like, kind of the laid-back kind of guy. And then you have Kosuke, who's the more responsible of the trio and has probably the most common sense out of the trio. You think? <laughs> but 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 does but um doesn't notice when girls like him and probably because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he's he's a little too uh, focused on the doctorhood. Doctors. No, yeah, he, he. I think he intentionally pushes all that stuff aside. So yeah. Um, and then now talking about Christy really quickly because um mm-hmm. she's um. Uh, when I first watched the movie, I don't really, I didn't really remember her all that much, and there was right. a reason for that. Was because um, with this being a time traveling kind of movie, um, some things that happen in at the beginning of the movie then get reset, and then they don't happen later on. So like events change differently. Mm-hmm. Um, right. One thing that happens is that um, Chiaki uh, proposes to or says that you know he asks Makoto, "You want to go out?" And then Makoto mm-hmm. resets time, and then through circumstances, suddenly Chiaki is now going out with Yuri instead. Who Yuri was like just a close friend of Makoto throughout the movie. We saw them right. cleaning the the classroom together, and then uh, she kind of defaults into like, "Oh, I I, I like Chiaki too," because she was asking originally about like, you know, I thought you liked Chiaki. Why are you asking about Chiaki? And then we find out, oh, it's because she uh, she kind of likes him, right. Uh, I like her voice. I like her. Um, uh, she's distinguishable from Makoto. Christy is distinguished from Makoto's voice actress because she's the one who has it more put together. She, she's the one who is not going to burn the tempura or fail the test or get knocked over <laughs> by two guys spinning each other in circles in the courtyard. Oh, that whole bullshit was. <laughs> it's like, really, you asshole? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? The fuck? No, um, no, Christy is very, like, she's very gentle and very sweet sounding, and it's a very good contrast compared to Makoto, who's, again, a lot more tomboyish. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, and a lot more tomboyish and energetic. And I do, I do enjoy it very well. <laughs> like some of those softer, those softer moments, just like you said, like, oh, I thought you liked Chiaki. Well, I kind of like him, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, those, uh, those feelings of, um, unrequited love are, um. Yes. That, well, that's, that's high school. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. Oh yeah, very much so. But it's it's interesting uh, that uh, that element of Yuri going out with Chiaki, then it gets wiped from the main plot because near the end of the movie, Makoto mm. essentially she eventually goes back to the beginning of the movie and has to she, redo yeah, everything basically all she does. over again. So uh, Kosuke getting together with Kaho didn't happen the way that uh, Makoto tried to make happen, which that right. uh, you know, which is good because that almost led to a death via uh, two. non-functioning two deaths <laughs> two via deaths. non-functioning bicycle brakes. Ah, oh, thank you, you stupid bike. Why did we not get this fixed when we learned about that the first time? I, I question the the build of that entire uh, shopping area though, because like, okay, so it's a hill. The shopping district is kind of right. like built on a hill that yep. levels out at the train crossing. Oh yeah. How is it that there has not been any accident before of any? Uh, bicycles or scooters coming down and running in front of the train tracks because that, that just seems like a bad way to set up the train crossing. Oh no, that's that. That's when you go to the the city council and you're like, let's fix this shit so people stop dying. The, the, yes, <laughs> and please. while and while we're at it, let's make more bicycle repair shops so people stop <laughs> dying. <laughs> uh, I... Let's do this. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> It's, it's, I'm sorry, we, we got, I mean, that's the, that's the part where I did not, the, where I had to most suspend my disbelief. It wasn't the time-traveling right. element, it wasn't, how does Auntie Kazuko know about this? It's, why did you build the train track at the bottom of a hill? Someone is going <laughs> to die, and the peaches are going to go everywhere. It's like, what is wrong with you? Why you construct city like this, you moron? <laughs> and, and they're going to look at and say, up, 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 we have dancing, singing elves. You know what? I think the whole shopping district and railroad crossing in the movie is similar to how freaking road construction happened in goddamn Boston, <laughs> aka it makes no god awful sense. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, they just said. They just said. Fuck it. Yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> we we don't have. We don't really have a sense of urgency. We just. We just no. do it. <laughs> urgency we're just gonna make shit as confusing as possible let's go <laughs> just like the time travel elements of this movie Wait, actually exactly i don't actually i don't think it's a confusing time travel watching movie now i say that as someone who's seen the movie a couple of times um right but i i liked the fact that it was unpredictable because uh they could makoto could go back to any point and redo anything and now in re- yeah. in rewatching it, you know, multiple times, I see the uh, the structure of it. You've got, you know, her using them for shenanigans near the uh, the first third of the movie. Then there's the finding out Jackie likes her in the middle part, and then near the end, right. there's the uh, near death experience and the the twist, which we will get to in the next section. The twist of the overall movie. See, I was curious why this next section is the way it is, actually. And then I watched the movie, and then I understood. Yes, yes, it, um, you people watch I was like, how did this equate to this? And then it's like, oh, gotcha. 
So, so it sounds like both Saffron, Alex, and Christy get our uh, thumbs up on the uh, direction and acting portion. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. these ones are definitely strong and distinguishable sounding from each other. So good job to all three of them. And now with that, let's move to our final time leapers here. We're, we're going to break our building up of the suspense because let's just cut to the chase here. So Makoto can time leap and we're going to talk about her and we're going to talk about Chiaki. And we're like, why didn't you talk about Kosuke with Chiaki and Makoto? Here's why. Chiaki is the original time traveler. He is the reason that Makoto develops the ability to time travel because he lost his device from the future that allows him to time leap. And yes, he is from the future. He traveled from a prior time period to the present day because he's looking for the painting that Auntie Kazuko was restoring and all he knows is that it was lost in the future but it was around during this time period so I need to see it because I really want to see that painting. Plot device this painting is. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't, I didn't think it was too flimsy. I mean, how many times have we remembered a TV show that we, you know, we remember liking it, but we can't find any record of it anymore because it mm. only exists in our memory. That's fair, yeah. And that, I mean, as far lost media is a thing. Like, if you've ever delved through the pages of the lost media the lost media wiki and thought to yourself if only i had thought to record this when it was originally airing it wouldn't be lost anymore that is yeah i entirely get why chiaki wanted to come back in time to find this but yeah so these are our two time leapers as it is and that's why we're going to talk about them together chiaki yep. chiaki is voiced by andrew francis and makoto is voiced by emily hurst uh, Andrew Francis has been in a lot of anime before, and okay, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Andrew Francis is the one voice that I recognize. I feel from somewhere, I just don't know where. Okay, so there's a... and it's bugging me now. So I'll tell you the things that I recognize him from. Mm-hmm. Maybe you recognize him from these as well. Um, if you've okay. seen, have you seen Gundam Seed? I have not seen any Gundams, oh. so don't even try. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, well, that wouldn't help then. But uh, he plays Murata Azrael in uh, the Gundam mm-hmm. Z franchise. Um, okay. Okay, uh, he vo- in Nana. He, he was in Nana. He voiced uh, Takumi uh, in the Nana series. Oh, shit. That, that's, a, that's one I'm familiar with. Hold on. Was that it? Hold on. Now I gotta look this up. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Takumi... Oh, this asshole. <laughs> This asshole. I'm just in- okay. I'm just imagining uh, that Spider-Man image where it's it's a picture of cartoon <laughs> Spider-Man holding up his hand to the sky and proclaiming, and then there's this asshole. Like I haven't watched Nana since I was in college, uh, mind you. So it's, but, I was like, "Fuck, this is familiar." I'm probably remembering him for something else too, and then I'm like, "Okay, oh wait." <laughs> okay, well maybe it's the last thing I wrote credits down for. Okay. And we're going to go back to a Western production here. So mm-hmm. back when the X-Men movies were coming out in the mid-2000s, once again, right. we needed an obligatory cartoon series called X-Men Evolution. Right. And in that, he voiced the character of Bobby Drake, or Iceman, who shows up in the second season of the show. Oh, okay. I don't know if you uh, if that's the one you're thinking of. No, I think it's Takumi, but you know what? I'm going to also... For funsies, 
You gotta go through. <laughs> Let me look up Andrew Francis. Go for it. <laughs> we'll see what else is happening here. Yeah, if something pops up, uh-huh. by all means, let me know. And uh, you can do that while I talk about all of the anime credits that Emily Hurst has been in. Uh, that being zero. <laughs> okay. To, <laughs> that was quick. To everything I've seen, this is the one and only voiceover <gasps> performance that Emily Hurst okay. has ever done. Interesting. Okay. That is very interesting to me. And that doesn't mean she hasn't done anything before. No, far from that. Um, there was a live action Blade, the series uh, that aired mm-hmm. soon after the movie came out. Uh, she vo- right. she pl- voiced. I gotta stop saying that. She played the character of Charlotte in that series. Uh, there's this uh, movie called Stranger with My Face. Um, it's, what? it's a TV. It's a made-for-TV movie, which I mostly wrote down because uh, that's just an interesting title, "Stranger with My Face." Uh, she plays the character that, of that's, that's just weird. It is. It, it. She plays the character of Alexis in that, but I highly doubt anyone okay. who's watching an anime podcast has seen it before. So, uh, okay. one thing you may have seen, um, uh, you've heard of a, a Nickelodeon show called The Fairly Odd Parents. Of course. Okay. Um, were you aware that they made some live-action Fairly Odd Parents movies? No, actually, I wasn't aware of this. Okay, um, and you're probably better off for that. But yeah, Nickelodeon. <laughs> probably. Nickelodeon <laughs> that sounds terrifying. It, it kind of was. Um, Nickelodeon got bored and decided to cast uh, Drake from Drake and Josh as t- a older Timmy Turner, who's still in elementary school. And the only what? I know it's just getting weirder and weirder as I talk about it. And it had a okay. very cartoon style to it, and Cosmo and Wanda were CGI. And I don't know many people who actually like it. I I'm sure that it, it it seemed like a good idea to the higher ups at the time. But the only reason I bring that up is because Emily Hurst is a character of Veronica in that movie. So gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So even in a franchise that's mostly a cartoon. She stills only in the live action stuff. So hmm. we've got some stuff to talk about with both Andrew and Emily because one's a seasoned veteran and one of them only ever did this voiceover role. So back to Andrew Francis for a second. Yeah. Um, so you know Vision of Escaflone, right? The original one, yes. Yes. So he was Dylan Dow in the original dub. Okay. He's, um, if I'm. Right, that's um, Joel McDonald plays him in the redub. But okay, but here's the one that really got me. Um, There is this show um, called Ayakashi Samurai Horror Tales, and um, the series itself is a series of three different classic horror tales. One of which is called Baki Neko, and um, eventually there's. There's this character in the show that eventually that character's taken and put into another spinoff show called Mononoke. Oh, yeah. So Andrew Francis in Ayakashi, because Mononoke has never been dubbed, is the medicine seller. Is that the guy on the cover of the Mononoke uh, series? That is is the exact person. So, wait, Mononoke was a spinoff? Yes, Ayakashi was actually first. Um, oh. Baki Neko was um, one of three stories in the series. Mm-hmm. I have Ayakashi at home. I, I've, I've been wanting to rewatch it. I, I saw it a few years ago. I was in college. Um, oh. And the character of the medicine seller in particular, yeah. um, that character was taken. And then a series was developed after the fact called Mononoke. 
that I I haven't seen Mononoke yet. I've been meaning to because I really like the director. Mononoke is a Mononoke is a fun show. It is. Um, I mean, from what I've seen, it looks like a really fun show, and I'm a big fan it, of uh, Kenji Nakamura, so I, I'm yeah. obligated to watch it. But yeah, Andrew Francis voices the medicine seller from the Baki Nakasori in Ayakashi. Well, and that's how I remember him for sure now. <laughs> well, just even though it's been a few years, I'm like, this voice is familiar. Why? <laughs> and then it's like, oh. Ayakashi and Nana. I, I'm glad that I'm glad we finally figured that out. And just like oh, as a medicine seller, thank God it was going to bug me. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's that's why uh, that's why INDB exists, people. But just like uh, the medicine seller, uh, Chiaki is uh, the bringer of all the fun stuff in this in this dub because he oh, is a, he is the bringer of the plot device. Not only that, not only does he accidentally bring the plot, but he is also like the fun dude broiest uh ja- high school guy. He's so much fun he, and I love it. He is and it's like he does he's not like the dude bro like let's go partying and hit on girls kind of guy. He's the No, and I'm glad they didn't go like all dude bro with it. Because I mean, you can easily do that, and I think lose the whole like depth and the complexity that the character actually has. Actually, do, do you think he had uh, complexity? What uh, before maybe, maybe we find not, out? He, maybe he maybe maybe he wasn't too complex, but like there's a bit more meat to that character. Well, there is, and and I feel like doing like a stereotypical jock kind of archetype would lose that depth that he has in like the third act of the film yeah they didn't give him a a, for lack of a better word a california surfer voice yes thank god yes and that yeah because that would have um uh hearing his voice at the beginning of the movie gets Mm -hmm. recontextualized uh because we find out that he uh he was he meant to go back to his time period soon after he came to this one but he was having so much fun in the, our present time period, apparently because his pre- his time period is like a dystopian wasteland, which we only hear about. Uh, it's not really made clear, but uh, he's having so much fun in this time period that he doesn't want to go back to his time period. So that makes... No, yeah. Yeah, so that makes uh, his personality in the first half of the movie a lot different because it's not just a, hi- a meaningless high schooler drifting through life. Mm-hmm. It's a time traveler enjoying frivolity who's probably never enjoyed it before no yeah because it's like obviously you don't know about him being actually from the future until that last third Mm -hmm. and it's like if that secret is hidden actually really well especially if you watch it for the first time like of course i get like i did and it's like like i had a like because because Noah sent me the cast list and he has Chiaki and Makoto under a section called Time Leapers, mm-hmm. obviously I would suspect something. I suspected that maybe he could Time Leap too. That was the most of it. I didn't expect him to be from the goddamn future. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, it was, like yeah. it was. It was still hidden very well that if I didn't have this nice chart list that we have here, <laughs> I wouldn't have known something at all but like I, I imagine like now that i know going back to like a rewatch because they're, they're the writing is on the wall like if you've seen it already because they mentioned that he transferred in the spring mm-hmm. um they mentioned what the frick else they mentioned he's seen in the museum granted like a mix of silhouette shadow he's seen in the museum for some reason i mean not it's not made clear it's, like, a, it's a blink and you miss it scene 
It is. It happens a couple times, actually. But the writing is on the wall as to who Chiaki actually is. Um, but for first-time watchers, all of that is hidden well enough that you don't know what's actually happening until you suddenly find, until until Chiaki appears after saving Kosuke and Kaho yeah. from their uncertain fate. And it's just, it's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really, I, I think... This is probably my favorite performance of the film. Mine too. Yes. Like, because again, it's a mix of hiding that depth of that character with just a fun, easygoing attitude. Um, But at the same time, when it gets to the point where now we know, like, I have to go back. I'm like, I now I have to pay the price of letting someone know about this yes because you're not supposed to let anybody know um like and he just magically disappears like from start to finish i think this performance gave was actually really well-rounded and it played that through line that of Chiaki's character very well so i think that's probably why i really enjoy this performance the most out of all of them and not only is it played well throughout um but Mm -hmm. i was a little i I guess um in watching it uh i was worried that once we got to his revelation portion of it that the act that andrew would kind of lose that likable voice to him that he'd had throughout the whole thing but for some Mm -mm. somehow through some magic of audio wizardry black voice acting black magic you may call it he doesn't lose his flair it's still the same voice that he was using throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. The same inflection, the same casual, laid-back way of speaking. Right. And but he he's not he's not using it to tell people, to ask people if they forgot to jerk themselves off in the morning. He's using it to explain uh, why he came to this time period and how he's sad that he, he now has to go away and he's really sorry that they can't do anything else this summer because it was like the best time of his life. That is and really- I th- and I think. I think it's partially because of the character's honesty. Like, mm-hmm. even in the first parts of the film, that character was so care was so happy go lucky, carefree, yep. had so much energy to him because that's how Chiaki is. Yes. Like he lost himself and and enjoyed the time that he spent there. It wasn't all just like a phase or like um oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, it wasn't fake to him. Yeah. yeah it it was, was completely, the whole experience was completely honest and he put himself out there as an honest person. And the fact that that carries through into the third act when we all of a sudden find out he's from the future, mm-hmm. I think that that helps a lot. Yes, it does. So yeah, Andrew definitely had the biggest challenge of anybody else, but having to carry mm-hmm. both halves of Chiaki's, uh, character and absolutely yep. nailed it absolutely knocked it out of the park i now i'm yeah. wishing that they would dub mononoke so that we could bring him back to uh hear more of it i know right now i have to, oh my god when i get home from north carolina <laughs> i have to want well, i have to one finish my rewatch of snow with the red hair season two yeah. but two i think i gotta watch ayakashi again now <laughs> and just go back to baki nako and be like oh my god 
But no, it, it would have been so much fun if they actually took the time to dub Mononoke mm-hmm. and they brought Andrew Francis back in as the medicine seller. Uh-huh. Oh, it would have been so much fun. <laughs> it looks like he's still voice acting. So if, if they want to go that route, I, I would totally, uh, con- I would totally endorse it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, he's done. He's still done some things, like he's done the a couple of newer Beyblades. He did um, Roberta's Blood Trail, actually. He what? That was well. Um, that was a couple of years ago, but yeah, he's. I believe he's. Still- it's not like it's not too far away. No, it's not. Um, one person who is not doing voice acting anymore, though, is uh, might as well get around to it. Emily Hurst as Makoto, and this mm-hmm. is this is where I've heard the most. Uh, people complain about the dub and i totally get where they're coming from because emily emily does not sound like any other lead in an an, any female lead high school female lead in anime that i've ever heard in anything else Mm -hmm. and a lot of people point to it as being um they found it uh although realistic they found it on the more annoying side like Mm. this is someone who's really uh does not sound like an actor they sound like just a high school person and i gotcha i don't agree with that um because uh, here's the thing like we said at the beginning this movie is not just a glorification of the nostalgic high school experience this is not right from up on poppy hill this is not a moe school idol kind of phenomenon and so it has more of its realistic interpretation of high school yes and so we absolutely needed a raw Mm -hmm. talent a distinct raw talent to play makoto if you Mm -hmm. you could have easily cast um i'm not gonna pull names because that's not fair but just any uh canadian voice actress who has played a high schooler before put them in this role and they would have done just fine but we got something right. special from Emily's performance because it is incredibly raw as a voice actress. It's fittingly unconventional for an anime lead girl because she's not super confident. She is mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, I'm not going to say unstable. It's like she has believable highs and lows just like everybody else. And she get, she even gets a little greedy at sometimes. Like I love the little scene where she's cackling maniacally when she's kind of going mad with time traveling power that she like she throws <laughs> her head back and like like evil villain laughs at the sky is so fun to watch <laughs> see i'm gonna uh, i'm i'm not necessarily gonna agree with you on some of what your points but i'm not gonna necessarily disagree with you either like How i'm kind centrist. of in the middle i'm kind of in the middle with it because i can see why there's so many gripes with the performance because for me there were moments and i think this is probably the performance that took a little bit for me to adjust to and figure out like what the interpretation is and what's going on with it Mm -hmm. but there were some moments that did come off as obnoxious sounding but Mm. there were also moments there you can feel you, you, you say it's like raw emotion, everything. Mm-hmm. I say it's you can feel those growing pains. Oh, sure. Not necessarily as, not necessarily for Emily as an actress, but as Makoko, Makoto as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because Makoto is like a, what, 16, 17 year old girl, and she's trying to figure out 
like who she is and what she wants with her life because not just the whole boy thing was a subject in the film but um she hasn't picked her like, career trajectory either she's the only person in her class exactly who hasn't done that. that's a that's another point in the film that's brought up a few different times so for it's like it's a mix of i understand the intent of going with emily and some of the there are points at work where Makoto is trying to like mature and grow up and learn these lessons along the way. However, there are points where some of the voice work can come off as obnoxious or come off as stilted at points. I mentioned this towards the beginning. The whole thing with her running and the heavy breathing thing mm-hmm. was very odd to me. It sounded very weird to me. And I'm like, I don't know if that's how people run maybe i don't know i'm also used i'm also used to like other anime that have running bits and it sounds a bit more i don't know maybe not necessarily realistic but a bit more i don't even know what the right word is but um (laughs) but no i i'm kind of in the middle with emily like i don't necessarily agree 100 percent with what you say but I don't necessarily disagree with it either. Like, I see both sides of it. But mm. I think the, the strongest point that Emily does with the character is really showing those growing pains that Makoto as a character has to portray throughout the film. Well, I mean, that I, I, I feel like this is where the, um, the Japanese came in because, like we talked about mm-hmm. before, Katakawa, the production team for the movie... Uh, acted as a producer on the dub for this. Right. So I, right. I had to feel like they, they saw the, the dub or they had to sign off on casting a complete newbie, like absolutely zero mm. prior voice acting experience yeah. as far as we can tell. Um, and actually, I'm not sure if uh, that same thing was uh, if they got a newbie to play the dub, or to play the Japanese seiyu as well. I'm actually going to look up her filmography and see... If this is like the first thing I'm about to say, done. I was about to, but you can okay. do that. But no, yeah, like... according to yeah, if we're looking chronologically, the girl who left through time was her first film role. Like she'd done mm. um what she'd done before. She'd done uh audio dramas before, but no okay. anime, it looks like. Okay, that makes sense. Then that that using a similar logic or casting, really, that that <laughs> makes sense. So, um but I will admit I loved Emily's little tomboy flair about her, her pep and her energy. Um, And again, those growing pains, especially in those hard hitting moments where she has to like learn from her mistakes. Mm -hmm. It works, but there are also a good chunk of moments where the performance was a little stilted or could come off as obnoxious to a point. So I understand both sides of it. Um, Mm. I'm just right in the middle. I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. It's fine to me. Um, It just took a bit to adjust otherwise. A a perfect five out of ten. yeah, five out of ten. Yeah, right in the middle. <laughs> but yeah, Makoto's an interesting character, so she is. And I, I, I do not like some of the, um, I suppose some of the monologuing scenes so much. Um, there's bits where uh, Emily's um, just kind of uh, talking to herself, or like, mm. uh, like the kind of internal speaking to yourself, where you're trying to like justify emotions and. In those mm-hmm. scenes, there is a very much a reading off a script kind of feel to it, but th- yeah, like the first 
real monologue she has when she's about to die. Yeah, um, yes, that's a that's good. a good example of it. But I also like this is the day I don't know. I actually also was I also kind of liked that read too. Like <laughs> she's like I should have gotten up earlier. I could have not burnt the tempura. <laughs> like it's 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 a mix of like casual and reflective. Yeah, and I'm sure that's kind of what they were going for, but there there's an No, yeah. And there's an inherent there's an inherent flatness that yep. new that uh, That is also very true. There's yeah, there's an inherent flatness that newer voice talent tends to have that just takes a little time to mm-hmm. scrub off. And it's it's yep. entirely in like the little details of how you deliver things that a seasoned mm-hmm. person would know how to get rid of. And we, yep. you know, Lilac and myself, being people who've done stage work before, but are by no mm-hmm. means professional voice actors, cannot say like, well, this is how you should have done it. But we can pick out the small things that make it make mm-hmm. a newbie stand out from a seasoned veteran. Yeah, because like. Me being a huge theater person, it's like, it's always the little details that people like me will look for, (laughs) like me or Noah really, that'll look for and determine like if we really like something or maybe it's like, oh, maybe this shouldn't have worked. So it's the devil's in the, the devil's in the details. So. We talked a little if, bit. If that's the correct saying, it is. You're right. The devil is in the details, and we talked about mm-hmm. that actually on the Oko's in episode, which was full of uh, brand new people to the voice acting scene, and how uh, mm-hmm. what we talked, uh, the three of us ultimately brought away from it was it's novel, and every once in a while it's enjoyable to listen to. We just wouldn't want that to become the norm, the standard. So I feel like right. Emily performing uh, Makoto was refreshing and very welcome for this one particular project. It would just mm-hmm. be something that we would overly criticize if that was, the, uh, if this uh, level of acting was what all uh, high school female leads sounded like. I think another part of it too could also be like, if this 2007 dub Mm-hmm. was done and released in 2020. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there yeah, there would be people who would get upset about it. There would it. be so much more criticism for the performance. Yeah, so I'm not I I I'm glad it exists as it does and I'm glad Funimation didn't mm-hmm. feel compelled to redub it when they got the no, rights yeah, to it. Oh yeah, like I it's like again like I was saying earlier, it's not my favorite dub of the Hosoda works. Mhm. I see the appeal, but for me, again, if this was the first Hasoda film I watched, mm-hmm. I probably would, wouldn't have these weird, iffy feelings. <laughs> now, so, and you had never heard of the novel "The Girl Who Leapt Through Time" before. No, right? that's so I had no context well, at all. I mean, that's interesting. So I, I just went in completely blind. The only thing I knew is that this girl who's about to die apparently has time-leaping abilities, and that's it. Right. That but, was the only thing I knew. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of mad they put that in the trailer, but I guess they needed a hook to uh, get people to watch the movie. To be fair, the whole Makoto almost dying thing is within the first 15, 10 to 15 minutes of the film, so... Yeah, I guess. I'm To be fair... Uh, fine, now, fine. If, now, if, now, if they put the Kosuke Kaho potential death in there, then that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't do that, people. Don't, don't do that. That's big spoiler. That's big spoiler. So, um, it's, um, do, do you want to know another, uh, 
popular story that the author of the original novel also did? Sure. So, Yasutaka Tsutsui also wrote Paprika. wonder the name was familiar. I'm like, I feel like I know this from somewhere. Okay. And considering the fact that Madhouse had just animated, I, I believe Paprika the movie came out right before this, they were probably thinking, we want to adapt another really? novel from the same author. And so that's why this project came into being. So. Uh, okay. So, so Paprika. Uh, now I have to look this up. 2006. Um, yep. So the year. The same year. They both came out same the same year. year. Yeah. Holy cow. Inter they were the same year for sure. Hold on. I'm going to see if there's a actual date for when it was released. Well, Paprika came. I'm sorry. Uh, this movie, The Girl Who Left Through Time, came out in July of 2006. And Paprika came out in September. So. September in Venice. It came out in November of 2006 to Japan. Well, don't all movies premiere in Venice? Point still stands. <laughs> but no, Girl Who Left Through Time was definitely... like that's, I, that's interesting. I'm gonna bet that they were... That Madhouse was working on both films in tandem with each other. Oh, definitely. So you could... And then I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a double deal kind of thing. If that makes sense. Well, I mean, it's it's very telling. Or it's very um, in retrospect, it's interesting. They didn't know that at the time, but that would be Satoshi Kone's last movie, and mm -hmm. and simultaneously, we're working on future famous director Mamoru Hosoda's first movie. So no, yeah, in retrospect, like his first like solo work, anyway. Yeah. So I, I guess we should use this opportunity to jump into our final thoughts on the their overall dub. I'll I'll just go quickly and leave this very brief because I really like the dub for this. I like the uh, unconventional methods they go through for this, and I, mm -hmm. I do love hearing uh, the Canadian crew scratch their chops, because they do prove, especially in a movie like this, that they are just as good as the Houston, the Dallas, the LA, and the NYV group. Um, and it's a sh it's just really uh, a good origin of species for this entire production, because The Girl Who Left the Time is the kind of movie that I don't think people would peg Mamoru Hosoda for, because it's not a big family-centric kind of movie, and it doesn't have too many heartbreaking moments like Summer Wars or the Girl Who or um, Wolf Children does. But it is absolutely a great first uh, solo directing work that got mm -hmm. a loving dub put into it from an unconventional uh, process. Again, it, this is before he was famous, and so they didn't have to put in all the best efforts. But they absolutely did for a movie that absolutely deserved it. Lilac. Okay. So, um, I'm going to say this again. If I saw this f movie first, instead of all the other Hasoda films I saw, I probably would have a lot more love and appreciation for like Noah would. That being said, since this is my first time watching this, um, first of all, the film is so much fun. <laughs> it really is a fun film, and especially as a debut, like, solo directorial effort from Hasoda, like, you can see some of those early bits that Hasoda will take into, like, his future projects later on. Mm -hmm. um, the dub is, I'm gonna, s I'm, I'm kind of in the middle with it, because... Mm. Um, it doesn't help that I'm not used to talking about dubs from the Ocean Group <laughs> at all, or Canadian voice actors in general. True. So 
it's one of those weird things we're trying like i'm trying to figure things out and like understand the range and repertoire that these actors have done before mm-hmm. um that being said uh the dub i'm gonna say depending on your opinions of Hasoda films and if you do the thing of comparing the dubs to each other mm-hmm. girl who left their time is among one of the weaker ones in my opinion uh. however as a standalone um film i would say it's it's solid but it's not without its flaws because like there are characters that kind of either blend in the background or sound so similar to each other you can't tell who the hell is supposed to be who mm-hmm. um and for the lead makoto again i understand the gripes um that people have with the performance there but i think it's not the phrase i want to say is a necessary evil but it's not an evil it's just the phrase i'm thinking of in my head while I'm discussing this. It's not the right way to describe it, mm-hmm. but I, it's the phrase I'm using. So there are its ups and downs, but I don't love it entirely, but I don't hate it either. I'm kind of, <laughs> Again, it's one, of those, it's one of those things where I'm kind of in the middle. So um, definitely, if you are a huge fan of Mamoru Hosoda, this is definitely one you have to watch regardless. No ifs, ands, or buts. <laughs> but... I, I'm, hope- As a- I'm hoping everyone who's seen this, who's listening to this, has seen the movie because I don't. I, I enjoyed the movie because I didn't have it spoiled for me. I can't imagine right. going into it knowing how the uh, how it all plays out. See, thankfully, I've never been spoiled for this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only, again, the only thing I knew going into it was this girl is about to die and she can magically now leave through time. Uh-huh. That's it. But um, and then it turns into X Men. I know. I think this movie is at least old enough for people to appreciate it for what it is, um, and are not going to end up going into spoilers. <laughs> um, they're not going to get spoiled because of it. Yeah. But um, it's also I I think in time, as time goes by, there might be parts of it later in years to come that might not hold up as well hmm. um, to an extent. Okay. However. <laughs> However, at the end of the day, it's still a fun movie. The dub may have its... I, I have my nitpicks of the dub here and there, sure. Mm-hmm. But I still love it. It's still a lot of fun to me. And I'm I'm glad I finally sat down and watched it. And now I have to rewatch Ayakashi. God fucking damn it. <laughs> yeah, calling this a lot of fun is a very good way to put it. So I, I'm glad that no, yeah. despite the, um, the, the pits to Nick on this, I'm, I'm glad that you did get a chance to finally sit down and watch it. No, yeah, this was my perfect excuse. After um, after you guys did um, Summer Wars last year, I'm like, Noah, we're doing Girl Who Left Their Time. That's if true. we're doing, if Girl Who Left Their Time is part of some of the movies next year, dude, it's you and me. He's like, okay. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, you're you know, you're right. No one else uh, gets that spot. You got it. Which now, of course, now that we've done this, there's only one other solo directing work he's done. Uh, hopefully his next movie, which we don't quite know what it's about yet, hopefully that will be done soonish, or else uh, we're going to have to find something else to do for the Mamoru Hosoda portion of Summer at the Movies. Well, there's still Mirai, so... There is Mirai, there is the Digimon movie, we, we could technically cover that. We could technically, yeah, <laughs> actually. Oh, oh god, 
knocking on wood now. More, uh, more <laughs> Digimon. Our first year we did Digimon Try. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and now that the last of that movies are finally being released. The uh, I forget what it's called. D- Digimon. What's the? Uh, Digimon Adventure: The Last Kizuna. I last evolution Kizuna. I believe it is. There you go. Kizuna. That's the word. It's it's a mouthful, basically. <laughs> So, uh, if you want to, wa- if you want to watch the girl who left, so I'm gonna be the bearer of ma- bad news. It's not streaming on Funimation. You're kidding. I'm looking at it right now, Noah. I can screen share if you want. Um. Okay. Let me. Um, like, no, I'm... no, I'll believe you, but I'm I'm gonna go to Funimation's website right now and. Look, I'm screen sharing currently. I'm s- obviously our audience isn't going to see this, but I'm screen sharing Skype right now. Look at this. No, no, I'm going. I'm going. Here, let me see that. All right, what am I looking at here? So this is I the main black. page. Yep, that's the main page. And then normally it's under here, but it's not. And then you just have the shop, which is just the DVDs. You that have so video weird. extras, which is just the clips and the trailers, and then just a review page. So it is not You're streaming. Right. <laughs> that is so weird. Okay, that must have been a recent thing then, because it was up. I swear to God, it, it was, was I, up. I know there was a couple of Hasoda films that were at one point as like a special thing. I think Boy and the Beast was another one, maybe, that did this. I remember that one, I think, specifically. Yeah. Yes, but they were using. Yeah, they did that around the same time that Mirai came out. Even though they didn't have the rights to it, they yeah. they were you know wanted to get on that sweet Hasoda money. No, but so no, weird. but yeah, like it's not streaming. Sorry. So, uh, if you want to, wa- if you want to watch the girl who left through time, uh, I was going to say that you can watch it on Funimation's website. But thank you, Lilac, for double checking. Nope. Uh, no, no, you can't do that. Um, I'm I'm sorry for that misinformation. Uh, Must have been. Something that was taken off recently because it did used to be on there. But um, if you want to watch it for yourself, you can purchase a copy of the movie from either Funimation's website or Right Stuff or where you cats want to find it. And um, it is available in both home video release and Blu-ray. I have the original Bondi release of it, which Mm. on the special feature side of it. And I wanted to ask you this because you own the Funimation release, right? Yes, I own the initial Funimation release that they did. Um, Funimation did re-release it a few years later for like a special Hasoda collection yep. um, that they also did with uh, Boy of the Beast and Wolf's Rain as well. So on the, the Bondi release, which is the standard mm-hmm. release, they did a special edition release, which the mm-hmm. only, only thing that extra included was the soundtrack. But for the Bondi release, it includes an audio commentary track with the director and the cast. It includes mm-hmm. a premiere event in Tokyo and a music video. Uh, do you know if that content is also on the Funimation release? Uh, I don't have the set in front of me, but I did also look at it last night. Because um, if I had time before we recorded, I was going to watch some of that stuff. I do remember the music video was there. I think the premiere event is there and an audio commentary. I think there was one other thing, but I can't remember offhand. I don't have the set in front of me, though. If it was a trailer for the movie, that that's not a special feature. No, I think it was something else. Now I'm trying to remember. You know what? We're going to resolve this. I got to go get the copy. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk while you're doing that. All right. So um, while Lilac is getting her copy, I would like to give a huge shout out to the fine folks who make this episode possible. Yes. We watch the show or we watch the movies and we talk about it, but we could not do this without our patrons. 
Uh, we want to give a huge shout out to our $5 patrons, Miraculous, Corazon, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, Nika Robin, but with yaoi hands, and B. Morris. Thank you guys so much. And now we want to, I was giving two-handed round of applause to our $10 patrons, people who chipped in a little bit extra and get to see the episodes a little bit earlier. Thank you guys so much. Specifically, big thanks to Jacob Wilson. Big thank you to Julia W. Big thank to Anthony Simpson. Huge thanks to Carly Lestikow. Big thanks to Marissa Lenti. And big thanks to J2, a.k.a. Jared. All you guys are really, really awesome, and we could not do Summer at the Movies or any of these special events without your guys' support. So thank you all so much. Ah, yes, there are more things. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> so my set for extras, there's a feature commentary, mm-hmm. a feature with storyboard. Oh, okay. A feature with storyboard commentary. The premiere screening event, a direction file, a talk, which is a talk with the director, mm-hmm. behind the scenes at premiere screening event, yep. um, the music video for Garnet, yep. and then just theatrical trailers and promo stuff. So there are a good amount of features on this, actually. Okay, so I, my copy doesn't come with storyboard versions, so, you know, if you mm-hmm. were... Okay, it sounds like uh, Funimation's release added mm-hmm. a few things. That's pretty cool. No, yeah. And I mean... I don't know if the um, Hasoda Collection version has more features. I have to imagine um, it's a clone of the original Funimation release. It, it probably is, just re-released in a nicer set. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, Lilac, uh, what do you do outside of uh, catching up on your huge backlog? <laughs> I'm assuming you already plugged everything and shit while I was getting the set. Um, so... Uh, my name is Stephanie. Some people thought that I can talk. Word. Oh my god. <laughs> Words good speak, can I? <laughs> Words I have, yes. <laughs> my, na- <laughs> my name is Stephanie. I am also known to some people as Lilac. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R E V U E. I also have a blog that I want to try and update a bit more often um, lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com. And my name is Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue, where I like to talk about more Russian cartoons, more Eastern European cartoons, and all cartoons. Cartoons in general, really. All of them. There's so much animation I haven't seen. I have a running tracking list on my phone in the notes section that's basically just obscure animation to hunt down and watch. And it's just getting longer every week. By the way, can we talk about the fact that Andrew basically schooled Noah no. <laughs> on a cartoon he's never heard of before? He all because Andrew was working. It doesn't he didn't school me in it. I just I'd never heard of Roger Ramjet before. That's not that's not schooling me. It's not fair. Okay, okay? yeah, you're right. That's that's not schooling. That's just the students are passing the master. <laughs> I'll give him credit this one time. He, he, I did. Okay, people who, people who know about the '60s cartoon called Roger Ramjet, I'd never heard of it before. Okay, I've seen Tennessee Tuxedo, I've seen Underdog, <laughs> I've seen Rocky and Bullwinkle, and a bunch of other stuff from the '60s that you've never heard of before. That's just one that I never got around to. Okay. And I mean, I also told you about Rory the racing car too. So I don't know why I'd never heard of a cart of a <laughs> CGI preschool cartoon from Britain before. God knows why. 
because <laughs> that's very similar and probably this i think we said the same crew as bob the fucking builder that's true that's- <laughs> there's so many but cartoons you- out there it never ends, Noah. It never ends. It doesn't. It doesn't. But I am glad that we did finally get to talk about the girl who leapt through time. And um, yay! I, with that, I, I guess uh, we uh, we got to the end of the episode, and neither the Time Lord nor the companion died. So yay! We we broke the curse. Okay. <laughs> At least in this timeline, we're safe. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to think. I didn't, I was watching this movie and thinking, okay, she's changing alternative timeline. Is she creating new dimensions, or is she actually overriding her current dimension? I need to know this information. See, the, now we're getting into like Steins Gate territory yes, here, and that, that's not what the movie. <laughs> we're is. like different world lines and shit. <laughs> no, it, it's just a goofy comedy where a girl goes back in time so she doesn't burn the tempura and she can eat her goddamn pudding. That's all it's supposed to be. That's all that matters. I need my fucking pudding. <laughs> that you do. So thank you all for listening <laughs> in. Uh, leap away, my fine time travelers. Aloha and otaku on, my friends. Have a good night, everybody.